Uh, today, we're going to um, continue our series on the life of David. Life of David, the greatest king of all time. We're studying his life because there's so many tremendous life lessons that we can learn from a king, from a man who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. And so we're going to look at his life. We're going to continue to study from him. Um, the seventh president of the United States is President Andrew Jackson. He had a mom, a, love, a mom that he just loved and respect. Her name was Elizabeth. And their last conversation with her son before she died, she gave some powerful advice that never left Andrew Jackson. In fact, Andrew Jackson would say that her last words, her last words have been the law of my life. I said this was the last statement that Elizabeth Jackson said to his son, Andrew. She said this, you see on the screen, in this world, you will have to make your own way. To do that, you must have friends. You must have uh, friends. It's a powerful statement. And Mrs. Jackson was absolutely correct. And here's the deal. Everybody needs friends. Not only do everybody need friends, but the people who you're friends with, it matters. If you're taking notes, got to hand out notes in the, in the um, program. If you're taking notes, who you are with today is who you will be tomorrow. Who you're with today is who you will be tomorrow. So the right kind of friend, quality friendship, it matters. And today, in the life of David, I want to look at a friendship, one of the most famous friendship in history, the greatest friendship for sure in the Bible, um, and that's the friendship of David and Jonathan. Now, who is Jonathan? Jonathan is the oldest son of King Saul. He's being groomed to be the next king of Israel. And we see that incredible friend relationship between Jonathan and David. In fact, they were the best of friends. And we need in our lives the type of friendship that we see in David and Jonathan, quality friendship. Now, I, I hate to burst a lot of bubbles in this room. I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret. Y'all ready for this? Yes. None of us have as many friends that Facebook said that we have. Now, last night, I checked. I've got 3,989 friends. I need 11 more to break the 4,000 mark. Here's the deal. I don't know most of them. I don't know who they are. You know, they just say, hey, they just ask, and that's okay. There are other pastors, other people, you know, people. Okay, you know, and, you know. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of friends, supposedly. But how can I have the right kind of friendship? the friendship that's beyond the social media. And so as we study the friendship of Jonathan and David, this was a real-life friendship. And I want us to look, as we study their lives, I want us to examine four different levels of friendship. And I hope today, here's my prayers, that today we evaluate 
your friendships. Because who you are with today is who you're going to be tomorrow. It matters. And so I pray that today will be a, a, a challenge for you as we study the, uh, the incredible friendship. But I pray that we will look into our own lives and examine our friendship. So let's just dive right into this. I got level one friendship. And these are friends that have something in common. This is the basic, basic foundation of any kind of friendship. You have something in common. It could be a job, it could be an occupation, it could be a, a hobby, it could be, a, you know, it, you know, you, you all cheer. Maybe, do we have Detroit Lions fans here? You know, okay, you know, not so many hands are up. Oh, come on, I know, I know, it's the same old line every year, but we got to hang in there, right? You know, but hey, you know, we got, you know, those that raise their hand, we got common ground, okay? I can, I can be friends with five more people in this room, okay? And I, so it's that common ground that we have. Here's the deal. We tend to like those. We tend to like those who are like us. I want to show you in 1 Samuel chapter 14 what David and Jonathan had in common. And it's interesting because at this point in the story, David had not shown up. We don't see David until chapter 16. So chapter 14, long before David shows up, long before Jonathan ever met David, and once you see this story, you're going to understand why David and Jonathan had a great friendship. And it started at level one. It started at level one friendship. So here's the story, 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. What did that tell you? That this might not have been the greatest plan ever, okay? But they were at war. The Israelites, they're on one side. The Philistines are on the other. In fact, the Philistine armies, they were in camp on a high plateau on the other side where the Israelites were. And there was a deep valley in between the two armies. And so the Philistines, of course, had the military advantage. They had the higher ground. And even worse than that, in those days, the blacksmiths all lived in Philistia. You see this in chapter 13, at the end of chapter 13. But all the blacksmiths, there was a monopoly of all the metal workers in Philistia. And, and so, if you had a plow and you needed to get it sharpened, you had to go to Philistia to get it sharpened. If, if you were an Israelite and you needed a tool made out of metal, you had to kind of cross the border to Philistia and you had to find that tool made out of metal. And all the stores, all the stores were made in Philistia, and they weren't letting those stores out of the country. They were keeping them all. They were keeping all the stores, especially not making sure, they were especially making sure the Israelites did not have stores. The entire Israelite army had two stores. Saul had one, and Jonathan had the other. 
Uh, and so we see this story here in chapter 14. Jonathan, he's kind of aggressive. You know, he's like, man, Dad, let's go. We, we've got to attack these guys. We need to get some swords. And his dad won't budge. And so Jonathan, he calls his armor bearer up and says, hey, listen, we, we, we're, here's what we're going to do. You and I, just me and you. But we're going to sneak up. You know, we're going to go through that valley. We're going to climb up the plateau. We're going to get about halfway. And here's the plan. You know, and the, the battle, just the armor bearer, by the way, is probably a young kid. He's not quite ready to be a, a, a warrior or a soldier. And so, you know, and so he's like, okay, what we're going to do? So we're going to climb up, we're going to get halfway, and then me and you, we're going to start mocking the Philistine army. And one of two things is going to happen. You know, we're going to get up there, and if we start mocking them, we start saying, hey, 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 you guys, your mama smells like a camel. You know, we'll just say crazy stuff like that. And, and if they come down and chase us, then we'll know that God's not in it, and we're going to run away. But, but, if they say, hey, why don't you guys come up here and say it to our face, then that means... That God is in it, and we're going to go up there and take him on. Now, by the way, none of that made sense to me. How did Jonathan know what God was going to do what in the different scenarios? I have no clue. And if I was the armor bearer in this situation, I'm not buying it. But we see in the story that they do this. They get up there. They get up about halfway up and, and, and the plan, you know, they started yelling out at the Philistine army and, and they're like, man, who are these guys? And so the Philistine army said, listen, hey, why don't you guys come up here and say to our face? That's exactly what Jonathan, Jonathan was hoping for. And so there was this little cave um, inside this valley that would lead right up to the plateau that Jonathan knew about. So he and, and um, the armor bear started climbing up this, uh, this cave and they get to the top and they poke their head out of this hole like a little prairie dog. You know, and they jump in and they're in the middle of the armies, the middle of the Philistine army right here. And we see the story, what happened here? Verse number 14, in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bear killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. All right, think about it. They had, two, they had two swords. Now they've got 22. They just killed 20 men, got the swords. And the Philistines, the chaos, you know, and everything that was happening here, they began to run for their lives. Meanwhile, back at the camp, King Saul, he's back at the tent. He's looking up and he's saying, man, what's going on up there? What's happening? Somebody's attacking the Philistine army. And then look at the generals. It's a general, count your men. The general, they come back and say, hey, all the men are accounted for. And they start to, all right, count the swords. And they say, okay, one. <laughs> oh, Jonathan. It's Jonathan. He got there, the sword. He's up there. And, and so, yeah, it's, you know, so King Saul, he ran up to men and said, let's go. Let's get up there. Let's join the battle. And they get up there, and they won a great victory. And they collected all the swords that they would ever need. Now. At Jonathan, he took an underdog situation and, and, and just went for it. He trusted God in that moment. Now we fast forward three chapters. Three chapters later, we talked about this story last week. It's the story of, of Goliath, David and Goliath. And for 40 days, 
this tall giant, this towering beast of a man is mocking the Israelite army, and no one had the courage to face him. And here comes David, this young shepherd, unknown kid, no shield, no sword, but had a lot of confidence in the Lord Jesus and in God. He pulls out his slingshot, and the big man comes down. And he takes him off, and he takes off his head. And, and I can imagine Jonathan looking at this whole thing out in the battlefield and saying, man, I like that guy. I like that guy. I like what he's doing. And they became fast friends after that day. They had common ground. They like to go into an under, you know, underdog situation. And this is how David and Jonathan's deep relationship how it first began. It started with common ground. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Here's the deal. I know, I know that making friends can be a challenge. Making new friends can be a challenge. But one of the best ways to make friends is to start to look for the common ground. Look for something in common. Now, here, here's the danger, though. The danger is that so many friendship, they stop at level one friendship. I mean, this is a starting place, but let's be honest. Level one friendship, it can be shallow. It could just be me and the guys, you know, hanging out, you know, watching a game, you know, that we love to watch. You know, it's not serious conversation. Hey, but it's a starting place, and I don't want to belittle that, but we've got to go much deeper. That's why there's different levels. We have to go deeper in our friendships. And so level one friends, friends have common ground. Level two, close friends give selfless love. Selfless love. In other words, a close friend prioritizes your needs above your own. They put you first. Let me ask you, do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend that when you call, you know, you need help moving, you know you can call that person and they will drop everything to help you? You know, or you get in a car accident and you know, you've got someone you know that you can call and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm in the hospital can you go check on my kids? Can you watch my kids? Do you have friends like that? There's a sacrifice that a close friend is willing to do for each other, prioritizing your need above his own. It's a selfless love. And we see this in David and Jonathan. Check out 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. By the way, chapter 18 and chapter 17 it, it locks in together. The, the timeline just moves on. At the end of chapter 17, it, it's David with the, the severed head of Goliath, dragging it into the tent, you know, like it's no big deal, and talking to King Saul and saying, hey, here's proof I killed Goliath. And they have a great conversation. All right, that's where, this is where Jonathan actually meet David for the first time, right there at the end of that battle. And so in verse 1, after David had finished talking with, with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. 
Now, this is the NIV translation, but it doesn't quite capture the spirit of the first. So I want to look at another translation that I really love. It's the ESV translation. Check out how it says it here in verse 1. As soon as he, David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The word knit, if you're taking notes, it means to chain, to chain. We could say, we could say the verse like this, that the soul of Jonathan was chained to the soul of David. In other words, they weren't just friends. They're what you would be called soul brothers. Soul brothers. Jonathan had the highest love for David that one person could ever have because he loved him as his own soul. You remember when Jesus said, what Jesus said was the greatest, second greatest commandment of all time? To love your neighbor. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the problem is, and there's a tendency in all of us to love ourselves more than we love anyone else, right? That's a tendency. That's a struggle for all of us. It was said of Napoleon, famous general and a famous emperor. It was said of him and his wife that they had one thing in common. They had one thing in common. Napoleon and his wife both loved him. He was all about himself. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 3, Jonathan, the Bible says, made a covenant. He made a vow with David because he loved him as himself. How do we know that, this, that Jonathan truly loved David, that it wasn't lip service? How do we know that? Remember, you've got to remember this. Jonathan, Jonathan's the oldest son of King Saul. He was the prince in waiting. He was the heir to the throne, the royal position. It belonged to him. All the praises of the people belonged to Jonathan, but God had promised all of that to this unknown shepherd boy. And somehow Jonathan knew that. You see, Jonathan had every reason to be jealous, every reason to be bitter about the situation. I mean, in these days, you know, it, it was common if there was a threat to the throne. You know, you, you wipe out the person. You take them out. And, and Jonathan could have done that. But notice, notice what he does for David. This is powerful because sometimes we read a Bible book and we kind of just like, I don't know what that means, but you can kind of skip right through it. But this is so powerful. Verse number four. Check out this selfless love. Check out how he prioritized David's needs above his own. He said, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, sword, his bow, and his belt. This is powerful. Here's why it's so incredible here. He gives David his robe, which was a symbol of his future role as a king. He, he gives David his sword and his shield and his bow, 
which symbolizes his role as commander-in-chief. He even gave David his belt, which was the chief ornament of a soldier that was worn only by those who were in the royal line of a king. In other words, everything that was rightfully and legally belonging to Jonathan, he gave it to David. He gave it to him. When Jonathan took off his robe and put it on the back of David, what he was saying was, David, you will be king, not me. Not me. Do you have anyone in your life that sees potential in you, that they're willing to put you ahead of their own? Oh, man, we live in a world that's a dog-eat-dog world, right? I mean, we got to, hey, if you want to get up top, you've got to stab someone in the back to get there. You've got to tear down someone else to get there. But Jonathan prioritized David's needs above his own. Later on in a few chapters, we see this again. David is on the run. He's, he's hiding from King Saul because King Saul wants to kill David. Uh, he does not like David. And we'll see this over and over throughout the, the series about David and, 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 and King Saul. But check out what Jonathan did at the, risk, at the risk of his own life. The Bible says in chapter 20, verse 4, Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. You can count on me. I, I, I'm there for you. And now most people in your life, they would say, hey, whatever you want me to do for you, I'll do it for you if it doesn't cost me too much. Or if it doesn't cost me too much money. Or if, it, if, I, if, I, if it doesn't interrupt my schedule too much. You know, if it's not too, you know, if it's not too inconvenient. I, hey, I'm there for you, but I have, I have limits. David and Jonathan, Jonathan said, listen, I am there for you 100%. You can count on me 100%. If I had a Bible, a bumper sticker Bible verse for this level, it's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's a friend. A level two friendship. It's hard to happen. It's hard to make happen. But once you have level two friendship, it's great. But listen, my friend, it can be broken in a moment. It's fragile. You break one vow, you break one promise, one secret, and that friendship can be destroyed. That's why I think it's so important for us to have the next level. Level three friendship. And here it is. If you take a note, strong friends, they guard your secrets. They're loyal to you. They've got your back all the way. How many of you ever know, how many of you know what it's like to have someone tell you a secret, to talk behind your back? Yeah. You know, we've all been there. Painful. You know, you're at the water cooler at your office. And while you're there, you hear a conversation about you in the cubicle next to the, to the water cooler. Or, or, you know, maybe you, you read something on social media and you know that that person is blasting you on social media, and it's, it's painful. Or perhaps a friend comes to you and says, hey, do you realize that this 
that so-and-so is talking about you behind your back. And it's devastating news. I, I have found that very few people keep secrets. Very few people keep secrets. That's why we keep the friends who keep our secrets. We need people in our corner who will keep our confidential conversations private. A place where I can, you know, where I can unload and share some of my deepest struggles, my deepest feelings to someone. And I know that that person won't blab it out to the world, but will keep it private. We see level three friendship play out between David and Jonathan. Look at chapter 19 and verse one. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. Now David and Jonathan, they're best friends, right? They're, they're knit, they're soul brothers, okay? And, but Jonathan, Bible says, Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. So Jonathan, Jonathan goes and warns David. He said, my father took him for a chance to kill you, David. Well, so I want you to go out in this field. I want you to go hide. And me and my dad are going to take a walk. And we're going to walk out in the field nearby where you are. And I want you to be able to hear the conversation. I want you to hear what's happening. And so the next morning, David's hiding out in the field. And, and here comes Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan, when they get close to David, he, he, confronts, he confronts his dad. Bible says, we see the conversation, verse number four. Jonathan, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. He said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. You know, he has grown, grown your kingdom. He has taken care of the Philistines' army. He took out that Goliath. He said, he took his life in his hand when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it. You were happy. You were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? He said, Dad, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you going out for David? Shame on you for wanting to kill him. And Saul, by the way, Saul wanted to kill David because he knew that Jonathan wanted to give David the kingship. And, and, and Saul wasn't happy with that. Saul wanted to keep the king and his family. He wanted, he wanted to protect his heritage. But in this moment, to Saul's credit, he actually listened to Jonathan. Bible said in verse 6, Saul listened to Jonathan, and he took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Now, we know that in this moment, I believe that Saul meant this. But Saul was not a very good oath keeper. We'll find, you know, again, we've already talked about it several times. He'd gone after David to kill him, to try to kill him. And so Jonathan, in verse 7, he called David, told him to hold the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. This is level three friendship. They're loyal to each other. They guard your secrets. We need someone who will listen, keep our conversation private, someone you can trust, someone who will speak the truth to you in love. 
This is a great level, by the way, for accountability partners, accountability friendship, someone that can hold you accountable. Sometimes we're afraid of accountability because we're afraid that if I talk about the deepest parts of my life, my struggle, that they would betray me. And this is a tough area, but we need level three friendship. It's so important. We need to have that. I love um, the quote. In fact, I went to Tom, and I was looking for a quote. And Tom, I call him the quote machine. He can, he can just spit out a quote, you know, Pastor Tom. And, um, and he said, this, um, who you choose as your friends is so important because that is who you let your guard down around. That's where you can let your guard down around. Here's what I don't need. I don't need a person in my life who can appraise me in my face and then behind my back tear me down. You don't need that either. You don't find out who your friends are when people are praising you. You find out who your friends are when people are criticizing you. You don't find out your friends, who your friends are in the good times. You find out who your friends are in the bad times. If I had a bumper sticker verse for this level, it's a Proverbs 17, 17, where the Bible says a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. So level, level one, level two, level three, level four. This is the peak. True friends give spiritual leadership. Earlier in the week when I was working on my notes and all that, I actually had a different word than true friends. I actually had best friends. This is where it's important that we pray about asking God to evaluate your friends because your best friends may not be giving you spiritual leadership. So I changed the word because you need true friends in your life that can speak spiritual, spiritual stuff into you. In the last meeting, of David and Jonathan. Saul, again, is hunting down David, wants to kill him, right? He broke the oath that he made in chapter 19. And David is scared, he's exhausted, he's worried. Is he going to make it alive? He's hiding at night. And we read these incredible words and we see a high-level friendship, a high-level four friendship that Jonathan was to David. To David. Check this out. Verse 15, chapter 23, verse 15. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, he went to David and he helped him find strength in God. See, David, he's fighting the same the very same emotions that you and I would have been fighting if we weren't in his shoes. He's fighting the, the emotion of bitterness and anger. He's fighting this, the emotion of a revenge. You know, what if I killed the king first before he killed me? Assassination. I mean, he's fighting all of this. We're going to talk more about that next week. I'm, I'm telling you, next Sunday, you don't want to miss. Get this, the story that you did not hear in Sunday school because they made it G-rated. I'm going to tell a little bit more, okay? I'm not going to make it R-rated, 
All right, but I mean, come on. Some of the stories in the Bible, it's like, whoa. You know, how come we haven't seen a movie on that? You know, because it, it is crazy. Because David had a, a, a powerful, you know, a, 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 a very interesting moment where he could have just taken out Saul. Not just once, but twice. We're going to talk about how David handled revenge next week. You don't want to miss it. It's, it's, it's wild. But here he is, David, fighting all his emotions. And Jonathan shows up. Look at David. And I don't know what he said to David. But whatever he did, it helped him find strength in God. I can imagine Jonathan saying something like, hey, David, it's your friend, John, it's your friend Jonathan. I'm here, man. Listen, I'm going to challenge you, buddy, to keep trusting in God. Stay close to God. Find your strength, not in a sword and shield, but find your strength in God and God alone. He said, don't let your flesh, David, don't let your flesh get the best of you. Two wrongs never make one right. And you never do wrong when you do what is right. And you always do right when you do what God wants you to do. Come on, David. I don't know what was said, but whatever it was, David was lifted up. Because Jonathan was a true friend. A true friend. They build each other up spiritually. They bring out the best in you. They bring you closer to God. They help you from straying away from God. That's what a true friend does. And the reason why David and Jonathan were true friends is because they loved God so much. David was a godlier man for having Jonathan in his life, and Jonathan was a godlier man because of David, because David was in his life. So here's the question for you. When it comes to level four friendship, it's a powerful question. Do you have anyone in your life who is making your life more effective for the kingdom of God? I pray you've got some level four friendship that will speak into your life to make you more effective for the kingdom of God. So as we wrap up, what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway from today? Here it is, very simple. Audit your friendship. You need to audit your friendship. You need to reevaluate. You need to go through the roller debt in your brain and just ask, you know, where am I with these friends? Are they level one, two, are they level three and four? Remember, who you're with today is who you will be tomorrow. Your friends matters. It matters. So you need to audit. You need to reevaluate your friendship. Now, let me say this, by the way. Not every level one friend will be a level four friend. Level one friend. I've got 3,989 friends. All right? But I promise you, they're not all level four. You know, think about Jesus, how he modeled it. Jesus had tons of level one friends. In fact, you know, after he uh, reached out and called Matthew to be his uh, disciples, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew, you know, he hung out with tax collectors and sinners, and he invited Jesus to a party, and Jesus came to a party. Level one friendship. You know, he had lots of them. And then when you think about level two friendship, he had 
disciples. I'm not talking about the 12 disciples. Jesus had more than the 12 disciples. They had disciples upon disciples. And so there was a good number of disciples in level two. And then I would say level three friendship, the God you seek with, they're loyal to you. That would have been the 12 disciples minus one that betrayed them. It's going to happen. It even happened to Jesus. A level three friendship. It's a smaller group. And then when I think about Jesus' level four friendship, true friends, he had a core group of three men out of that 12 disciples. They were best friends. They were the inner circles, Peter, James, and John. And so you guys have a roadmap. Even Jesus didn't have the bandwidth to have much more than three friends at level four. And so level one, they have tons of them. Up to level four, where you only have a few. You that the model. But the question is, do you have level four friendships? Do you have level four friendship? And if you don't, don't be surprised. Seriously, if, if you're a man between age 30 and 60, it is common for you to have friendship deficit. A friendship deficit. And I think part of it is we're building our careers, we're, we're raising our family, we're pouring into our family, we're pouring into our spouse. And part of it, honestly, by the time you hit 30, you've been burned once or twice, and so you want to stay away from level four friendship. I'm telling you to push on. I'm encouraging you to push on to find the people that you can invest in, and they can invest in you. Because you need friends. You need friendship. You need to have it. We need men in our lives as men. We need women in our lives as women. Now, one of the best places to find friends is in our life group. Here at Lake Point, we've done a life group here in about a week. I encourage you to get signed up, be a part of a group where you can be involved with others, where you can start maybe with at level, at level one. I prom- I'm not going to promise you that you're going to get level four in the first week. You're not going to show up and say, hey, you're my best friend. That ain't going to happen. That takes time. But I can promise that level one, you can get in there and start becoming friends. That can happen. That really can happen. And so I'm going to encourage you to start there if you're looking for a place where friends can turn into family. Best way to sign up is in your connection card. Got the information in the program in the back of the lobby or online. But get connected. Everybody needs a friend. We all need true friends in our lives. Now, as we close, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about the greatest friend of all time. And that's your friendship relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus loves you. He's a friend of sinners. He died on the cross for you. And we see all four levels in Jesus. Level one, he came down from heaven to earth and dwelt among us. He put on humanity. He wanted to have common ground. At level two, he gave his life selflessly. He prioritized your life above his own. Died at a cross. He didn't have to. But he laid down his life. Level three, the Bible said that he would never leave you nor forsake you. You become his and his alone. There's nothing that you can ever do where he said, oh man, I can't believe you just did that and just dropped you. He will never do that. And at level four, 
He wants the best for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and wants you to be his friend. And all you have to do, my friend, today is to ask him to come into your life. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Accept his gift of salvation. And you can do that in a conversation with one of our prayer team members. You can do that with one of our pastors, one of our staff. We'd be glad to to step away, take a few minutes to share with you from the Bible how you can have the best relationship with Jesus Christ. So what's your next step? Well, maybe you need to audit your relationships. Examine level one, two, three, and four. Maybe write down some names. Say, hey, this is level one. This is level two. Level three. Level four. Examine that. But challenge you this week to make a, pick up the phone and and have a conversation and say, hey, you know what? Can we go out to coffee or lunch? Can we go hang out? At least 30 minutes this week on your connection card. I'm going to challenge you to do that. But maybe your next step is to enter into the best relationship that, the, that God had to offer, and that's through his son, Jesus. What's your next step today? God, we ask you to help us today. Help us to do what you want us to do. Help us to be inspired by the friendship that David and Jonathan has. And God, I pray that we can be the kind of friend that you want us to have with others. Quality friendship, friendship that matters. But God, I pray that if there's someone here today that don't have a relationship with you, that today they won't leave here without talking to someone. That we can have a conversation about what it means to have a relationship with you. And so, God, thank you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You know, can we put up the, uh, the reading plan? So this is something that is kind of a next step for you. We'd love for you to dive into the scriptures. I mean, I, he's a wonderful preacher. We, we are so blessed to have a great pastor here. Um, but some of the best change is not going to happen just processing a sermon. We want you to get into the Word now. We have full faith in its power. So, quick uh, tip, instead of writing it down, come on, man, let's be millennials together. Get your camera out and just, like, take a picture of that, and it'll be a great reference to you. And if you forget, maybe you'll go through your photos, and it'll be like, why do I have, oh, the Bible, I should read it. It'll be great. And then you can hop in there. So it's the same thing that I'll do. Actually, I'll take a selfie with it with you guys right now, just so I make sure it's a really good picture. How you doing? Mm. <laughs> oh. Read the Bible. Okay. Bunch of dorks on staff here. Anyways, uh, uh, if you look on the back of your connection card, we always have next steps for you, whether it's a life group that you want to sign up for, uh, the reading planned, uh, or one of them is actually these two on friendships. The word audit doesn't bring a lot of pleasure, does it? To reevaluate the different levels of friendship in my life. And this week, I will connect with a friend for 30 minutes. It's two things that have to happen there. One is some really hard personal honesty. Like, what are the qualities of my friendships right now? Who am I letting my guard down? And like he said, people who are, you know, in, you know, in a different stage of life in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, it gets harder and harder, doesn't it? Especially because a lot of us have been burned hard before. But we're not meant to do this alone. 
And part of doing the audit evaluation is if you if you and I don't have those those level those higher level friends, then we need to start asking ourselves if we're putting ourselves in a place to find those relationships. And I just want to tell you that you know we can't make you have friends here at church, but we can put opportunities out there for you. That's why we talk about life groups all the time, you know, and maybe you're going to get into a life group and you're going to be like, wow, I go to church with some really weird people. You're right. We attracted you. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> a bunch of, a bunch of misfits is what Scott says is a church of misfits and we're finding our way together.